eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Bowling Show, only on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Make sure to get signed up for their spring and summer leagues at Castle Lanes. Doing a really cool thing uh, this year. Uh, a, a league on, I think it's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. It's an hour. You're in and out in an hour, 15 bucks to get in and out from 7 to 8 o'clock each night of the week. Everybody that signs up gets either a one of those PBA jerseys that you see on TV for yourself or a three-ball storm roller bag uh, for joining the league, which is pretty cool. Winners get $200 cash and any choice of any Storm bowling ball that they want uh, for getting in. But don't you like the concept of in and out in an hour for the spring and the summer? Yeah, fun doubles league, absolutely. Yeah. Get done. Right. Beautiful thing. Done in an hour. I mean, I love that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, right? You like that? Rapid bowling. Rapid bowling, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just practicing. Right, yeah, a big fan of all of it. Uh, okay, so uh, Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer, uh, along with that guy there, Dwight Albrecht. Phil Brylow uh, over there to, uh, well, I guess it would be my right. Uh, so before we get into talking about uh, what was uh, another good TV match. Mm, amazing show. To this point. Amazing show. Um, and I got a feeling this afternoon show may be better even than last week's show based on everybody that's on t- mm-hmm. today's TV show. We just start with, is Jace Belmonte just the best ever? Are, are we about done with this conversation? Is there still conversation about this? Well, I was thinking all week, obviously, and, you know, Phil's our insider out there on the tour. But um, I, I don't think that um, we've seen a run like this since probably Earl did it in the 70s and 80s. Well, Walter A. did it back in the 90s, and he had a streak where he had three straight shows in a row as well. It's... He's the greatest right now. Mm-hmm. I had this argument with with Jeff Goodger on Eric Flow Bowling this week, and uh, does he say he's the best ever? No, we both agree that there should be any talk about best ever. It's best right now. The way the right. the way the sport has evolved yeah, since the, the 1900s, changes. where it was hard rubber balls and pin boys and shellac lanes sure. and stuff like that. It's the greatest right now, and there's he's by a mile the greatest right now. Mm-hmm. I think the Mount Rushmore thing that Randy right. talked about with Rob Stone. I think that's the best way to do it. I don't think you yes. do the greatest of all time, but. You can do the four if people, big influencers on the sport. Dude, this feels like to me, Dwight. I, I don't know if this is true or not. But it feels like to me, if people like Jason Belmonte, this, he would be the greatest of all time. But because Jason Belmonte rubs people the wrong way, nobody wants to give him the satisfaction of putting that title on him. Maybe. That's what it feels I, I, like to me. Yeah. It's just people better appreciate. Well, they don't like him because of the two-handed style. That's what, what I think. Oh, they, I, well, and and his, we could talk a whole hour on the whole two-handed style thing especially if Van was here, but he's changed the sport. He's changed the sport. He's got, obviously, Anthony Samuelson from the show yep. credited Belmo uh, for his style. So uh, it ain't going away, and it's just getting more and more popular. For but sure. I, I, there's a lot of people that want to just see him suck it up and throw it with the thumb. I right. think there's just too many people out there that just look at the overall titles and they ask, okay, Walter A. 47, greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, and- I've seen Walter Ray Williams bull. Walter Ray Williams was... 
Very, very good. Hall of Famer, yep. all of that. I've never seen the man play horseshoes, but oh, I hear he's have, good in that, too. Yep. They did show a clip of that. Have You You obviously have never seen him throw a horseshoe. I don't think so, no. His, his horseshoe form is exactly how he bolts. I, I wouldn't know if his horseshoe form is good or not. Have you ever seen and that And he film? was a world champion multiple times. Right. He has the same follow-through, the same yeah. leg kick, same everything when he, when he pitches a horseshoe. Right, because I had tweeted out earlier this week, uh, Tom Clark had tweeted out something about Monte. I'm like, I, I don't. I'm, I'm, I find it hard to believe there's an argument for him not being the greatest of all time. And then I had one guy tweet back, Jeff uh, or whatever, uh, Walter Ray mm-hmm. Williams Jr. to me. Obviously, that guy thought that's who it was. Rami Makhlouf tweeted back a picture of Kyle Troop. <laughs> uh, so we have that. Stay hot, Rami. We have that. Um, but yeah, so it, I agree with Phil. It's just he's the greatest of our era right now. I, I totally agree. Because but, coming into this era, yeah. There wasn't no greatest of now. It yeah. was Earl Anthony. He's the greatest of all time. Mark Roth. He's the greatest of all time. Yeah. Uh, that's what it was. Now we have somebody that's different and rubs people the wrong way. Now it's well, we don't really have greatest of all time. Now, well, it's the greatest of now. I don't want to give him the benefit and boosting his ego more than it already is. I spend too much time on social media, and I and that's what I read at least is that people just don't care for the two handed thing. They think it's cheating and. There's a million different people giving their views on the whole type of deal. I think he would be a like a lot more liked if he used his thumb, but a lot of people feel that he has an unfair advantage doing the two-handed thing when he really actually releases it with one hand. He started bowling that way when he was 18 months old. Right. You know, mean, the I bowling mean, ball was his baby, sir. He's never known a different style on how to bowl. And I think that's one thing we haven't for, we haven't gotten out to the public long enough is he's always bowled that way. He didn't just all of a sudden decide to change because he could rev it up more and all this other stuff. No, it's just the way he's always done it, and it's it's not going to change. And he's influ- He's been such an influencer on, on, on the rest of the sport that you have to give him that credit. Can you give me another person that's influenced the sport as much as Jason Belmonte? Mark Roth. Yeah, I was going to say Roth, too. So that's the closest. Yeah. In his day, Roth was right. unbelievable. So he changed the sport in what aspect? How did bowlers mimic Roth? The amount of revolutions in turn on the ball. Don't even as far as ever... how they threw the ball. Yeah, with his thumb. But, yes, Correct. I mean, he was so much higher rev rate than anyone else on the tour at that time. Right. When Pete Weber wanted, when Pete Weber was learning to bowl and getting better and being on a tour, he didn't want to bowl like his dad, Dick. He wanted to bowl like Mark Roth. That's well, where that he failed. got the high backswing and, and all the other stuff and the high Lost, revs and everything. Yeah. Damn, so. many revs left anymore. <laughs> um, so, okay, so Mark Roth, Jason Belmonte. So those two type deal. I just, for me at least, I, I'm, we have... Uh, Jeff Riggles coming up from 11thframe.com, so maybe we can ask him the same thing. He comes up at 9.35. Riggles, he's a storm guy, isn't he? Isn't Riggles yes. a storm guy? Right. So we'll ask him uh, at 9.35. We're also having him on to talk about the TV ratings because uh, I'm just I'm blown away by how this whole thing is working. Like Social media during last week's show with Kyle Troop was stupid. Like I was just – I've seen social media for PBA. You know, you get your handful of retweets, whatever else. But it was at a different level, I thought, last week. And then they stole our idea. Remember what we talked no, about no, after? Not all right. <laughs> let's stop. There are more than just like seven people listening to our show because well, there are at those least we're twelve in the stands, stands that had the Kyle Troop froze. Yeah, yeah the furl wigs with the pics absolutely, in them. and they were smart <laughs> in the fact that they used social media to tweet out those guys kind of before the show mm-hmm. started, showing that they were there. So now that might be another hook <laughs> for get people to tune in. Like, come on, man, right. you can tune in to see what this whole thing is all about. But going back to what I was saying, the the Belmonte thing, I think. Um, when he first got on TV, boomed ESPN, he went. And then it started building. And he started building his own brand, water bottles and everything else, right, <laughs> that that he's got with his signature logo and everything else. This is what I want Kyle Troop to do. Mm-hmm. He he completely took advantage of something that he knew was going to be unique and different. Mm-hmm. And he also knew that if he was really good, he wouldn't have to worry as much about purse money anymore because he'd make money on everything else that he was going to sell. It was absolutely brilliant all mm-hmm. the way around from Jason Belmonte. There was a bunch of T-shirts in the crowd for Team Fish. I don't know if you yes. noticed that as well, so that's really starting to pick up for the guys like Troop and Simonson that are part of that whole Team Fish group. And it's, it's I think it's great. The, the merchant, it's nice to see the merchandise. It's yeah. starting to pick up a little bit more, right. too. And that's just what you have to do. But So from that aspect of, of Belmonte, is he Pete Weber? As far as when he's on, you have to watch. No, he's not that. Um, he's not the entertainer that Weber is. Oh, but as far as greatness goes, yeah, as far skill. as that goes, I mean, he. Yeah. I mean, again, this week he just 
took care of everybody again this week. We haven't got to TV yet, so we'll see how he does on TV. He should have won last week on TV, yep. and that was, well, in my opinion, was just a horrible break. But We had Del Bellard on a couple years ago. Remember what he yep. said about Jason Belmonte? There's nothing that he cannot do with a bowling ball. Right. And that's just, and Dell's seen everybody. Right. I mean, pretty much. I'm not oh, saying he's a, old. What up? He's seen pretty much everybody. Tim, Ma- Tim Mack, right? Tim Mack discovered yeah. him. Yeah. When yep. Delmo was 16. 16 years old. Tim was yeah. Called up Bill Christman and said, you got to sign this guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, look at, I mean, that should be all the credit to Tim Mack for having the ice to say I mean, this I'll give guy's... you an example. So t- on today's TV show, this afternoon on Fox Sports 1, Norm Duke is on that show. Yes. Norm Duke is a so hell excited. of a bowler. Mm-hmm. He's a hell of a bowler. The, the wee iceman. Right, but he's also, well, at least in my doings with him, I don't know about everybody else in this room, but for me at least, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever talked mm-hmm. to. And Great I talked to, for the I've TV probably interviewed yeah. him 10 times. Yes. And super nice guy, love me some Norm Duke, right? Yes. He's a lot a of fans love him. Really good bowler and all that. Yep. He's not at. He's not Belmonte. I mean, no. he's not at that level. And yeah. he's he's a Hall of Famer. He's a great shot maker. You agree? But... Duke's a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Done. But you look at the crowds in Indianapolis this week in the qual- in the qualifying for the Indianapolis Open. Belmo had four times the number of people following him than anybody mm. else. Sure. Yep. Than anybody else, including yeah, Norm, he's a big draw Walter right now. And you have to capitalize on it. Yeah. If you've got that many fans following one bowler, marketing wise and everything wise, it has to be around that dude. Jason Belmonte should have a ton around him. Troops should have a ton around him as well yeah. because that dude's fan base is growing. It's not yeah. a Belmonte, long ways from it, but it's starting to grow. And you start to have to start pushing some of these guys out there that are having this love. When I think of Jason Belmonte, the only word that comes to my mind is it's history. It's historic right now what he's doing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You're watching history in the making because, as you said, Dwight, and I'm not in league play anymore because I have no life. Uh, Well, my life is my family. That's all I've got. But I don't know how many people you're seeing on league play bowling with two hands in these men's leagues. Um, but at the youth level, I mean, Phil, you've yeah, talked growing. about it. You're seeing more and more of these guys yes. throwing with two and hands at the youth level. Good. And they're good. Yep. Yep. Right. And that's what I think. I think if you fast forward 10, 15 years, you go to men's leagues, you're going to see a lot of dudes who are in their 30s and 40s probably throwing with two hands. Yep. If they hold in there, that's the problem. Is if that they hold in there. seeing these kids come out of college and stay with league bowling, that's a whole other show we could get into. This, right. but, but listen, what's happening right now with the PBA mm-hmm. Is going to get these kids to hang with it and bowl again. If this sport continues to gain popularity like it is, and I think it's going to continue, you're going to see it happen. Anthony Mandel, who produces uh, the postgame show for me, and now he's on Big Show as well during the week. Last night I had Rami on from Score North to talk about Timberwolves game because he's a Minnesota guy now. Uh, and we talked a little bit about bowling, whatever else. And I don't know if it was in a break or it was on the air, but Anthony Mandel just volunteered. He goes, yeah, I'm starting to watch bowling a little myself. You got me so intrigued by this whole thing, and I'm seeing it all over TV. I'm starting to follow it a little bit now, too. That is where we're going here. Prior to this year, nobody on this staff other than me cared about bowling. Right. And now, all of a sudden, you're starting to see different people start to pick it up. Well, my question for Phil would be, Phil, you guys talk about a lot of stuff on flow bowling, and, and again, it's just wonderful coverage if the, the fans out there don't have flow bowling. Spend the money and get it. It's awesome. And you guys got a lot of um, people in the booth and everything. But do you guys ever talk about, because Randy did a great illustration showing all three of the different styles of the two-handers that were on the show and how different in some ways yep. that they are and how straight up, more upright Belmo is compared to the other two. Do you ever guys ever talk about injuries that these guys are fighting because of the angles they're putting their backs and their necks on? Well, it's 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 all parts of their body. I mean, Kyle Troop withdrew from Indianapolis. Now he's Inger. withdrawn from Jonesboro. So, yep. hey, good luck on those TV ratings with no Belmo and no Troop next week. Yeah, so sure. Belmo, nobody knows this, but Belmo's yeah. not going to Jonesboro next week. Correct. Belmo's right. going back home for next week, R&R, before the World Series of Bowling. Uh, same thing for Troop. He's withdrawn now, too. So it's going to be interesting to see, without those two personalities on the show, uh, how many people continue to build and watch. My biggest fear is how long these guys are going to be able to do the form that they do. I mean, they're putting the body under tremendous strain, throwing well, it the way they do. I if, hear you. If you look at Jason Belmonte from a dozen years ago, right. when he first started getting known in, in the yes. U.S., and, and you look at him now, he's undergone such a physical transformation. And we had Tim Mack uh, on Flow Bowling talking about it when we brought up some video, where Belmonte used to be so quick to the line and so forward with his body and everything, where it was just he'd... He would generate so many different angles with his body. He had a chance to tweak or turn something, yes. and they really calmed him down. And you look how calm, how steady everything is for Belmont right. on the way to the foul line. 
Yep. It's amazing how he's physically transformed to keep his body in shape to not have those type of injuries. And I think the other part about this is just like every other sport, you got to work out. Yeah. I mean, you got to oh, stay in shape. No doubt. I mean, I wouldn't advise getting on a treadmill going 12 to 15 miles an hour and flying to a wall like Troop did. But <laughs> I mean, other than that, I mean, I think you have to continue to work out. And in that aspect, you know, stretching out your back and, mm-hmm. and doing exercises like that all has to be a, in key play here. This isn't beer league bowling anymore. Right. You look at Walter Williams Jr., he's 59 years old, and he's probably got the same waistline he had when he first went on tour when he was in his 20s. Yeah. Yeah. And you see it more often than anyone else, Phil, but look at how much he's trying to develop that two-handed style, Walter Ray Williams. Walter Ray, the two-handed style is not to get increased revs or increased speed. Walter Ray is that you've bowled for so long, you you lose flexibility in your hand and your wrist and everything. So he can't make that adjustment with his hand where he can increase his axis of rotation to get the ball to spin and go down the lane longer before it hooks. So in order to do that now, he has to keep his thumb out of the ball and use two hands. Hmm. Because otherwise he can't. It, it works well for him. He did, yeah. it again. he did it again this week on the left lane because it was a longer pattern. It was 45 feet in length. Hmm. And when it broke down and he had to get left, he couldn't do it normally where he'd get the length and, and, and get hitting power in the back end. And he went to it late in the blocks. And, and he's he worked made hard play. at it, though. Yeah, he's made, he's, he's made some shows. Why on the, hasn't on the he gone tour. to it permanently? Because you don't always need it. Versatility. Right. You don't always need it. It doesn't increase his rev rate, so it's not a tool that he needs on a on a thirty nine foot Mike Alvey pattern or something. I, I think like it nature. just is increasing the amount of axis rotation, meaning yeah. how much his hand rotates around sure. the ball. Yeah. Because his normal A game, he's right up the back. I'm just going to get better and better at it, and then that's just your deal going forward. Why wait to switch to it until things are going wrong and then make the switch? Why not just be there all the way through? I mean, how much better would he have qualified had he started with that that way I, of doing I things? I think the way the patterns were this week, it was more to start early. He could stay right and go more end over end. Right. But then when all that oil on the front part of the lane got blown out by the higher rev rate guys, he can just make that two or three board move. Here he is making a 15 board move. In order to get the ball to go down the lane properly, he had to change the axis rotation and he had to take the thumb. You out start of the ball. talking about guys like Walter Ray Williams going to two hands for whatever the situation. That's a pretty big deal, too. Mm-hmm. Because before Belmonte, there would have been nothing he could have done. He I wouldn't have known there would have been right. anything. Well, you don't make I don't, a cut. I, I don't think Walter Ray will win on tour on the main tour with that two-handed style. PBA, 50? I think he's going to win a PBA fifty event throwing two-handed. And when he does, the PBA has to blow it up. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. And they have mm-hmm. to. And even if he may not like it, but I mean, you have to promote the heck out of the fact of hey, if there's no Jason Belmonte, he's not throwing two hands, and this is kind of how this all played out. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and the other aspect of that too is if you're an older guy, you know, fifty or older, whatever, and Wow, I wasn't going to point you out directly. <laughs> but uh, but that, that's the thing, that you can still throw that way even if you're a little bit older. I think everyone in this room would agree if we could do a two-handed style and have the success that Jason Belmonte did, if we were in our prime, we would have done I it. I would love to do it. Right. If I, I would, could I physically would, do I it. I would need somebody to show me how to do it to right. make sure I could do it because I have no... No rev rate whatsoever, as Wright will tell you. So to get that added rev rate would be something I've never had in my entire life right. if I had time to bowl, which I don't. He's Phil Brilo, Dwight Albert for Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. We're going to have to have a condensed version of last week's <laughs> TV show because we spent way more time than I thought talking about that whole deal. Jeff Riggles comes up at 9.35, and he's next on the Spare Time Castle Lanes Bowling Show. Castellane Spare Time Bowling Show, Steve Sparky, Fiverr, Dwight Albrecht, uh, the uh, Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. What you got going on over there, Dwight? We are still in the middle of tournament season, and the guys are bowling city, state, and nationals are starting to come up. And, boy, we're getting a lot of questions about the national shot, and obviously they don't give that information out. We can only assume it's going to be a pretty flat, tough pattern, but maybe Jeff Riggles can give us some insight on the national shot. All right, Phil Brilo over there, extra frame and uh, flow bowling. You're back on the road again this week. Head for uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas tomorrow. It's an interesting little city. It's a college town with Arkansas State University there, and the fans come out like crazy. Uh, it's a full bowling center. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, the proprietor loves the PBA, having the PBA, and I'm looking forward to getting back. This is going to be the fourth year in a row we've been there for a a PBA national tour stop, and now with the Fox Sports live show, there the city is fired up. They've oh, that's great. a lot of stuff in media. It's going to be tough to get a ticket for that one. That's awesome. All right, so that's all coming up this week. All right, let's talk about the PBA Players Championship. Obviously, the Kyle Troop fans uh, were first and foremost uh, mm-hmm. in that show. A lot of people uh, talking about that. And I've got a ton of notes here, and we're going to have to abbreviate this. But <laughs> to me, the, the biggest thing in this match was 
when that ball goes wide right for Tackett again late in that match in the ninth frame. Yep. I swear to God, I'm like, what is going on? That is the second week in a row on TV. You let that ball just get away from you wide right. Is it a nerves thing? Is it a concentration thing? Timing. Just timing. If he gets a little steep with the swing into a shot, all of a sudden it's trying to recover at the foul line, and it just goes right on him. But both were late in matches, folks, on TV. I mean, if, if... if he didn't bowl a bad game, he lost no. the two forty five. No, absolutely not. But right. that's but that's what cost him. Right. At the end of the day, that that allowed Troop that opportunity to win the match yeah, at the end right. of the day. And then Tag doubles and nine count in the tenth. Troop strikes to start the tenth to secure two fifty five to two forty five. Great if, match. If Kyle Troop is legitimate, and I think he's going to be, where he's going to be on TV somewhat regularly now going forward. This PBA tour is in for a show. Mm-hmm. They really are. They are in for a show. One of the ladies at Couples League last night thought I would look good in a Kyle Troop fro wig. <laughs> Does she not next, see well? Next next match? She doesn't see well? <laughs> she must not see well. Match number two. Must not have had her glasses on. <laughs> I, it couldn't have been anything. Uh, anyways, match number two. Uh, so here we go again with uh, Troop. But again, we talk about this all the time. If you get a split early in a match or if you have an open early in the match, it's not end-of-the-world stuff. You just don't want it happening late in the match, right? right? Yeah, if you're going to open, open in the first frame. Right, always. absolutely. So four six splits to start for Troop. He gets the four pin. And now it's him and DJ Archer, by the way, uh, going uh, having fun on, on this one as they go on. And you, you, again, go on down. Split and open in the fifth frame on the right lane and then strike in the sixth for Archer. Now, the open for Troop was earlier in the match. Now, this one is a little bit later in the match. Then a seven count for Troop. Chopped it. Uh, so it's a nine count. Now down two after six. If Archer doesn't open, he's in a much better position at this point. And that, it's just, man, oh, man. Uh, then Troop avoids a 4-7-10 split as the 10 gets knocked out late. Troop picks it up uh, in the seventh. Archer doubles in the seventh lane. Now he's finally figured out the right lane. Uh, as we move on, Archer leads a 10-pin in the eighth spare. True comes back, hits light, and gets a mixer for a strike in the eighth, now down 11. And I'm sitting here the whole time watching this match going, he's going to win this damn thing. Watch. He's going to figure out a way to win it again. Troop nine-count spare in the ninth. Archer avoids the 7-10. As uh, the 7-pin gets knocked out late, 10-pin spare in the ninth. Archer 10-pin first ball in the 10th, a spare and a strike to end it. Troop needs a strike at this point to win. Needs a strike out to win, yeah. Yeah, needs a strike out to win. What happened in the first ball? <laughs> Brooklyn! Man, just Another own it! One. Just Why doesn't somebody just say it? Right side, left side, don't matter. They all go down. Just somebody just own it. Yep. They're always worried about, ah, oh, it's a Brooklyn. Oh. What did, what did uh, which McCall say? The strike that nobody wants to have or something like that. Was that Dave Lamont's call? Something like that. Man, I'll take it. Give me 12 of those. It's the same in the score sheet. Yeah, give me 12 of those. It's a 300. Who cares? <laughs> but you still had to throw, come back and throw two more good right. ones in the 10th to right. win. So well, the get, second one wasn't a great shot either. Yeah. That was a mixer, and he got that to mix down. And the third one, I think he pretty much buried. He uh, did. To win it. Kyle Troop wins it. I won. Yep. That Great to, match again, but low scoring. But low scoring. But yeah. here he goes. He's climbing. Right. See, this is the other thing I'd like to know. I'd love to know like how ratings change throughout the course right. of a TV show. Right. So after Troop wins the first one, and social media blows up a little bit, is there any type of uptick? After he wins the second one, is there any more of an uptick that here he comes, he's on his way? Or when I, Belmo, I, if he's coming right. from the bottom of the field and go. he's winning match after match, are people starting to turn on their TVs right. as they're seeing it on social I media? I want to see my favorite pro. Right, and he's making right. a run. I want to see how this is going to end. Right. I just wonder, because you get that... Um, in football, where oh, the last uh, from nine fifteen to nine thirty right. on Sunday night, it spiked to this level after this happened yeah. or whatever, yeah. and that's because of social media. Before social media, you never had any of that because nobody knew what was going on unless you picked up the phone and said, "Hey, Phil, turn it on." Right. The Packers just came back from thirty five down. If you turned it off, that'd be the only way Phil would have right. known. Otherwise. You never would have known, never would have turned the TV back on. Yeah, I know the Belmo-EJ match spiked 200,000 viewers for the Tournament of Champions. I didn't see anything for players mm. on if there was a spike or not. I didn't see those ratings. Unreal. It spiked? Yeah, it's 200,000, yeah. did yeah, you say? From, it went from a million one to a million three. Wow! For the TOC on Fox. for the Just for the Belmo-EJ match. For that championship match. So. <laughs> Man, get out of here. <laughs> just get out of here. Match three. 
Now, here we go again. Troops makes, Troop makes a ball change. Everybody was on board. Was anybody on board with that when he did it? No. Yeah. You were okay with it? Yeah. I was he knew what it. He knew what the Rev Raider Simonson was going to do on that lane. Right, so he's he trying to stay Simonson. ahead of the curve. Right. Plus, plus Belmo got practice as well because be- between the, the, the second match and the semifinal, Belmo comes on, he gets eight shots, mm-hmm. and then Simonson comes on and gets six. So that's seven bowling balls on each lane that goes down that you have to come back and guess what it's going to do. The ball change there by Simonson. doesn't surprise me. We saw the ball change the week before with EJ, similar situation, mm-hmm. where EJ made the ball change and, and got close right away. So Troop, yeah, he, he ended up getting close. It just kind of cost him later on in the match. But I, that ball change didn't surprise me one bit. I don't think I would have done it. But I understand the logic behind it based on what you just said. Yeah. Uh, so what happens first, Bob? That's right. How did he do it? Brooklyn. <laughs> Still counts. <laughs> 3-4-7 split in the second, gets just a three-pin. Troop gets the messenger in the third on a 10-pin for a strike. Now Troop is dealing with the ring finger injury that kept him out for this right. week for Indianapolis and next week as well. So how did this all go down? The just, right finger injury. He just, he just pulled something Friday uh, night in starting match play in the players. And so what they did was they got him into a stronger ball than one you saw he used on TV. Got him in that stronger ball, and they just had to kind of had him slow – Slow hook it, kind of around it a little bit more, and if he tried to not come around as much, the finger he get that pain in his finger. He kind of short arm a little bit, and that's why we I, saw that crossover in the fifth. I'm telling you, you could Until see, right there. you could see on his face when that happened yeah. that that hurt. Yeah, you could definitely see on his face that he was in pain at that point. Uh, Simonson turkey in the third, up 34, leaves a 10 pin in the fourth for a spare. <clears throat> Troop doubles up in the fourth. Troop Brooklyn, Brooklyn for the turkey <laughs> in the fifth. I'm telling you. I should just make shirts, man. I don't. I, why is everybody got to be so down on the Brooklyn strike for? Uh, Simonson, that's the other thing. So if a lefty throws it over the top to the right side, mm-hmm. I don't hear anybody ever say Brooklyn for that. It's always when the righty Crossover. goes over the top. When the lefty goes over the top, which you don't see nearly as much, but is there a name for that? It's still Brooklyn. Still, I never hear people say Brooklyn for a lefty. Never hear it. Uh, Simonson misses far right in the fifth. Six count spare. Up nine after five. Simonson strikes in the sixth. And even at this point, I'm thinking to myself, he's got a shot. He's created magic the first two games. He'll figure out some way of getting in. The finger injury concerned me, though, because I was watching him deal with this pain. So I wasn't sure. Troop four in a row in the sixth. Ten pin in the seventh. Uh, gets a spare. Ball uh, path. Light goes off of... Uh, I don't even know what my note says here. Ball path, uh, light goes off of the third step. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They had the where they show the track on the lane where it follows mm-hmm. the ball. In, oh, in yeah, yeah. Time. The ball path on the lane <laughs> went And off. it stayed on right. there, and all of a sudden somebody realized, oh, it's still on. They took it off and used this third step. So <laughs> That's got to that, be that, annoying. That throw you, yeah, that won't throw you well, off at all. Yeah, talk about distracting. Yeah, yeah that's got to be annoying. And that's the technology of Fox and everything else that they have. Because that, that wasn't on ESPN, was it? No, that's Crunch Bowling. They're a company uh, that... It has a it's a pretty neat if you go on YouTube you can actually see their video where they do things for cosmic bowling that type of right thing. Right on lane graphics. Right on lane yeah. where it's pretty cool. It's like how you yeah. see on ice stuff and yeah. right. on court stuff for the NBA and NHL. It's pretty it's pretty neat to see. There's more and more bowling centers starting to spend they're not cheap systems. They're spending the money to put in because it's getting people to come in and liven up recreational play. It's really awesome. Good. Oh for yeah. Them. Oh, it's fun. It's fun looking. I, I, I haven't seen the center around here with it yet. As soon as somebody puts it in around here, I'm going. I'm trying it. I absolutely love what Fox has done. and We'll talk more about it with Jeff Riggles coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, Simonson light uh, there. It mixes it up for a strike in the seventh. Turkey in the eighth for Simonson. And then it was all over in the eighth because Troop throws the 8-10 split. Uh, light uh, gets the 10-pin. That's that. Uh, Simonson wins and advances to the championship match against Jason Belmonte. But I think overall, pretty good performance on TV for Troop. Again. Yep. Yeah. I, I really think after game two and he started to lose the pocket and made the ball change, I just really don't think he ever got recovered. comfortable. Right. Yeah, never yeah. really recovered. Uh, and what Simonson did going straighter, both that match against Troop and then against Belmo was just brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely I, brilliant how yeah. he went straighter and didn't want to play the slow loop game. Yeah, he found it in and, match play Thursday night. He talks about when, in the interview I had with him that should be uh, it's a little, little in-depth on why he made that change. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how this whole thing works out. Uh, going into the championship match, Belmonte uh, strikes in the first, 10-pin spare uh, there in the second frame. Simonson comes back, doubles in the second. Nine-pin count in the third, gets a spare. Belmonte, 10-pin in the third, he gets a spare. 
Then Belmonte pockets 7-10 mm-hmm. in the fourth. Little did we all know what was about to come later. Mm-hmm. Gets the seven pin at that point. Simonson strikes in the fourth. Simonson then leaves the Greek church in the fifth. Gets two. And then there was the cell phone going off, Dwight. Oops. <laughs> Come on, Jakubowski. You had one job to do to fire up the crowd, bring him down, tell him to turn the cell phones off. Come on, MJ. So do we it's, know whose phone went off? I don't know whose phone went off. It's, it's, it's not, unfortunately, an unusual occurrence. We had a PBA 50 stop in Minnesota last year. Bob Learn Jr. was up in the approach, and a guy in the crowd had his cell phone go off right when Bob. I was remember up the line. that show. Yeah, so yeah, it, Bob wasn't too happy about that one either. No, the, <laughs> yeah, the gentleman at that point in time immediately got up and walked out of the building. <laughs> Didn't stick around for the finals. I'm not sure if this person in Columbus did the same thing. Yeah, you could fry but, an egg on Bob Learn's head. Yeah. Can you explain something to me? I mean, they did this years ago, but. Why don't they just have them cheering from the time they start the approach all the way down? Well, they tried that. Yeah. I know they did. I said they they done yeah. it before. We were talking with Bill O'Neill this week on Flow Bowling during match play because sometimes during the even match play the center gets so quiet all of a sudden there's some noise and all of a sudden six bowlers right. walk off. The I heard that one. Yeah. You know, if there was just a constant noise or rumble in right. the crowd, right. it doesn't have to be the whole blown everybody clapping. Right, it's somebody. the distinct noise. It, right. So if you have yeah. a you know people talking and and just ambient. That can cover things like yeah, that. Yeah, because you guys are even talking about playing music. Right. Yeah, so it's, if there's just something where it can kind of, you know, cover up the random cell phone that goes off on occasion or that kind of thing. So he was up for that. Yeah, Bill O'Neill. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's quite a few players that would have no problem as long as the noise is constant. Consistent, yes. And it's a, a, a decent level. It's not, you know, thumping the walls or anything of that right. nature. But, yep. yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of players that would like that. I know when we're in Portland, they do play music. While the players yeah, are bowling yes. in Portland. Yep. So, and I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Okay, so then uh, Belmonte strikes in the fifth, doubles in the sixth. Simonson strikes in the sixth, now down only three. He doubles up in the seventh. So he's not uh, taking the foot off the gas on Belmonte. He's still applying pressure. Belmonte turkeys in, turkeys in the eighth. Ball way too far out, but came back to mix it up. He thought that ball was gone when he threw it. I thought. Yes. <laughs> he, he was like, there's no way. Oh, yeah. And it that still came back. Still managed to come back. Yeah. Two wrongs don't make it right, but three wrongs can make a strike. He got slow, he got right, and he revved <laughs> right. it up, and, and it happened to work out when he got to the foul line. Did you so. steal that from somebody? No, that's tra- I have that trademarked. So <laughs> That should be on a shirt. Yeah, I know. Sell it in Dwight's, it. Sell yeah, it in Dwight's pro yeah, shop. I've got that trademarked. So, I'm yeah. serious. I'm not even messing around. That should be on a shirt, and you should be selling it in Dwight's shop. Uh, Belmonte gets four in the row in the eighth. It's not a handball because Stone wasn't on the call. Simonson, Turkey in the eighth, down three after eight. Buries a strike in the ninth for four in a row for Simonson. And at this point, it's I'm game going, Belmonte's yeah. winning this. It's close. Yep. He can smell it. Oh, you're thinking they're going to go off the sheet. Simonson's in trouble. Like, there's yep. just no way Belmonte's blowing this. Belmonte, five in a row in the ninth. And now I'm convinced this bad boy is over. I'm like, there's mm-hmm. no way he's losing this one. He needs two strikes and eight pins to win. And buries a seven ten split at the tenth, yeah. and I just sat there like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it was greatest call was Randy Peterson trying to take a deep breath again. That, I mean, Belmonte <laughs> by Dave just kind of smirked awesome. like, "What do you do?" It was so weird because when you slow down that tenth frame seven ten, yeah, the two pin goes straight back and blocks the five. I mean, yeah. usually in a light hit like that, the two pin doesn't go straight back. It yeah. still goes to the sideboard, goes to the left a little it bit. Was- it went dead straight back and left and took out the five, and then yeah. nothing could get back and take out the ten. For One the of the camera day. angles showed Belmo watching the ball go down the lane, and all these fans are getting out of their chairs and they're watching the ball right. go down the lane, and then all of a sudden you lead the seven ten, and they're all stunned. They're yes. All- yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, the barometric pressure in the building went down by like three points when everybody exhaled that after that. That was just stupid. I could not believe it. And he's kind of smirking like, well, it wasn't meant to be today. Yeah. Uh, Simonson gets a strike to end it. He went to 232 uh, to 212. And like you said, another fabulous TV show. Just brilliant. I mean, in one match drama. after the next match, the there's, there's stuff all yep. the way through. And I'm telling you, today's TV show is stacked. With yes. star power, and it is going to be a fun show. All right, he's Phil Browley, Dwight Albrecht, uh, Castle Lane's uh, Spare Time Bowling Show. Coming up next, Jeff Riggles from 11thFrame.com. We'll talk about these TV ratings coming up next here on The Fan. Phil Browley here for the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Radio Show on FM 105.7, The Fan. With me, last week's champion of the Players' Championship, Anthony Simonson. And, Anthony, let's look at the weeks rolling up to the Players' Championship. Uh, only one cash early in the part of the season. 
finished 26, just missed a check the week before in the Tournament of Champions. Did you have a different outlook going into Columbus this time around? Uh, no, there was a little bit of confidence going into that bowling center, knowing that I have made the show there uh, in previous years. Yeah, I don't know. I think overall confidence isn't very high. don't feel like I'm bowling very well. Uh, all my mistakes are maximum penalties right now. So I was kind of almost trying to like just a fresh start, knowing that I had a little bit of confidence, at least in that particular bowling center. And then you walked in, and people that were watching us on Flow Bowling last week saw the change you made between qualifying and match play. What made you go with that distinctly different line on that 45-foot dragon pattern once we got into match play? Uh, so actually last year, prior to the uh, final block, we did the 30, 30 games straight across, uh, 10 each day, two blocks of five. Uh, the last block of five, I was talking to Dick Allen a little bit, and he had talked about maybe trying to find something uh, to play a little bit more shallow angles through the front part of the lane. My weapon of choice that you know for that block was a urethane ball. I think I bought like 260 over, ended up getting the last check. So I knew that you can get your ball to go through the pins pretty well if you're able to keep a little bit uh, more closed angles. So getting into match play, I knew there was going to be a little less traffic. Guys were still going to try to get in and hook it. So that was just kind of a game plan that I stuck with to not really give the three pin away, and it allowed me to to bowl 220 very, very consistently. And your first match on TV, you're bowling your good friend Kyle Troop, of course, two members of Team Fish. Uh, do you take any different outlook when you're going out on the lanes and bowling somebody that's a pretty close friend to you, or is it just every man for himself? Nah, it's just every man for himself. Uh, you know, we tell each other good luck before, and we, you know, good bowling or, you know, best of luck after the match. And then, you know, after we'll go have a drink and, and you know, just talk about it, really. there's once, uh, once the shoes are on, there's no friends. And then championship match, tough match early on against Belmo, and then the phone happens in the crowd. And it was funny, after the Greek church, you failed to convert it. I looked at my wife, and I said, you know what I talk about all the time is that one of the guest, best guys on tour to bowl when he's angry is Anthony Simon. Said, I said, watch, he's going to strike out the rest of the way now. And you, you came through and did it. What was the key to recomposing yourself after that Greek church? Uh, you know, it, it wasn't really the fans' fault. It, it's just more of a, a mental distraction. You know, you lose a little bit of focus there when that happens. And then uh, I got a, made a bad shot. I, I didn't blame it on anybody. It was, you know, me simply making a comment. It, it is what we asked them to do. We asked the phones to be put on silent. Uh, I knew that I had a good ball reaction. Well, pretty good understanding of what the lanes were doing. So I just knew to get up, you know, make some good shots and just keep putting the pressure on them. Yeah, and you've just done unique things the last couple of titles. When you went in Delaware, you threw the backup ball. You played in a completely different line uh, on the TV show from everybody else for this Players' Championship. Uh, what's next in the bag of tricks for Anthony Simonson? Uh, I guess refiguring out how to bowl normal. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, there's nothing really crazy crazy up the sleeve. It's just I try to be open-minded and uh, know that you can have success all the way across the lane. So really, I just, you know, getting sharper at other tools that I have. And how does it feel to hear the words Hall of Fame eligible in front of your name already in your career? Uh, it puts a big smile on my face. That's actually the first time it's been said in person. Um, you know, it's truly incredible. It's a dream I had, you know, growing up just to be able to compete on the PBA Tour. And now to say that I have uh, I'm Hall of Fame eligible at 22 is a surreal feeling. Good luck the rest of the season, Anthony. And uh, it wasn't your week here in Indianapolis, but I know with a couple of more majors coming up with the World Championship and the USBC Masters, which you're a previous champion of, uh, should be a pretty good finish to 2019 for you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Castle Lane, Spare Time Bowling Show on 105.7 FM, the fancy Sparky Pfeiffer. Along with Phil Brilo, Lloyd Albrecht of the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from 11thFrame.com. He is Jeff Riggles. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Anytime, Sparky. Happy to be here. I told you you were coming on to talk about TV ratings, and we will get to TV ratings. Uh, but we had a conversation in the first segment of the show uh, that I want to get your thoughts on. I, I simply came out and said... Is Jason Belmonte the greatest ever? Can we just stop the nonsense of saying he's not at this point? Um, and we had the conversation of, well, maybe not the greatest of all time. Maybe there's not a greatest of all time. Maybe he's the greatest for right now, was what Phil and Dwight were saying. What do you think? Well, I've written about this many times, and uh, I think the, the thing that you can unequivocally say is he's the greatest of this century, of this generation, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And when he retires, assuming there isn't an injury or anything, he's going to hold 
all the records for that really count, like most majors and that. I'm sure he's going to get to 15, hell, maybe 20. I mean, it's un- inconceivable how many he may end up with, which is the only thing you can compare historically because the PBA tours changed so much. You know, their tournaments are so different, but the majors really aren't different. So you can compare major titles from Earl Anthony to Dick Weber going back to at least to the start of the PBA and even before with Don Carter and having 11, one more than, than Jason at this point. But I mean, we had a vote of uh, the bowler of the half century back in, I think it was 1970 bowlers journal did it. Hank Marino of Milwaukee. He was voted the greatest ever for the first 50 years of the 20th century. How can we compare Hank Marino to Jason Belmonte? We can't, but we can look at majors since the fifties, basically and the sixties and say, Jason's done this, Earl did that, Pete did that, and when Jason's done, he's going to have that record. Now, we, we can't, we've never seen Jason bowl against Earl. We've seen him bowl against Pete in the later parts of Pete's career. So you can, I, I mean, you can say Jason unequivocally is the best of the 21st century. Earl, Dick, Carter, et cetera, Hank Marino, eh, that's all opinion. But, I mean, how about we just enjoy the incredible, I mean, he's just unbelievable. See, and that's the thing for me is, I I think in in I think in in some part when you ask that that question to certain people, people that don't like Belmonte for whatever the reason, don't want to give him that ego boost of saying he's the greatest of all time. I think that plays into it a lot. I think if Belmonte was a likable guy oh, sure. that everybody loved and got along with, I think that would be one thing. Dwight brought up the fact that he throws with two hands; that works against some. Uh, in this question as well, because there's a lot of people that are completely against that whole concept and idea when you compare him to, against other guys who didn't throw with two hands. Is that really a, a fair comparison? How do you feel both of those points play in? Well, I mean, we've got Bottlegate, and that's been you know much discussed. And One of the greatest things in. ever to happen in the PBA Tour. Yeah. It was. I, I think that could be made. No, I, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. It was great fodder. It was great discussion. And however you think about that, that certainly has hurt Jason in some people's eyes, but you got to just pull yourself away from all that. And you got to pull yourself away from the two handed thing. It's not his fault. He, he, he's the Fosbury flop of bowling. I mean, he created something or not actually Chuck Landy did it first in the 1980s when I was on tour, but he didn't win any titles. So no one cared. Right. I've also written about, but, but I mean, Jason and then, and the whole two handed thing, look, he's, this is the rule. He's not breaking any rules. He created a different thing, just like Fosbury did in, in high jumping. And 25 years from now, when 50 to 75% of the bowlers on tour are two-handed, we won't even, and, and all uh, the old fogies, the get-off-of-my-lawn-you-kids type, <laughs> right. are gone. Yep. We, won't, we won't even be having this discussion anymore be after I'm gone. I agree. And I, so yep. it, that, to me, is a non-issue because it's, he's not breaking any rules. If you don't like it, fine. But it it should be separate from the discussion. If Dick Weber learned to bowl now or Don Carter, how do you think they would learn to bowl? They two would hands. learn to bowl two-handed. Yep. If I was a kid now, how would I learn to bowl? Two-handed. If you, were, if you were a parent and you have a kid learning to bowl and you don't teach them or encourage them to bowl two-handed, you're basically committing bowling child abuse because you <laughs> must bowl. Well, truthfully, I mean, look at it. It's just it's an incredible Unless you're EJ. advantage in speed and power. And, you, I mean, EJ is a freak of nature. The fact that he can create basically the same ball roll and rev rate as two-handers with one hand, he's one in a million. There's, yeah. like, nobody else like him even close to getting a 600 rev rate with one hand that was... and, and controlling it. So, but if you're bringing a kid up now, I mean, you have to say two-handed. That was the line of the year on this show: <laughs> bowling child abuse. That <laughs> bowling was child abuse. Don't don't take it any farther than put the word bowling in front of it. <laughs> that that was phenomenal. That was really really well done, Jeff Riggles. Uh, okay, let's talk about the TV ratings. Uh, so far for the PBA tour, in comparing contrast a little bit to what they were like uh, for ESPN, I guess at the same point. Well, you know, there's a whole million ways to look at all this. And there's no doubt that the Fox thing, I mean, Fox is, they're promoting the PBA. They're boosting it. Kimberly Parsler was on the Fox TV station in Indianapolis promoting it this week's show on Saturday morning. That didn't happen with ESPN because there's no local ESPN channel. So there's just so many ways that Fox has boosted the PBA that it didn't do. Think forward to the next time Fox has the Super Bowl and like the next week is going to be the Tournament of Champions and they may have a 15-second thing. Next week, watch 
the PBA tour on Fox. And I don't know what the next year Fox has the Super Bowl, but that alone, 10, 10 or 15 seconds, that think of the value of a hundred and million people or 200 million, whatever it is, seeing that ad, that's what we're talking about. They but had that, they had that it, spot during the ch- NFC championship game on exactly. Fox. Exactly. I mean, what is the value the of that? You can't, yeah. I think Tom Clark and I were just discussing that. And he said, you know, that's millions of dollars in value in a 15 second thing, just because mm-hmm. of the number of people it reaches and ESPN, they, for whatever reasons it's been talked about and I've written about it, they just didn't really care. I mean, they didn't care about bowling. Fox has a vested interest in making the PBA grow, and they will make more money because of the nature of the deal if they make it grow, if they get higher ratings, more sponsors, more ads, et cetera. So it's a vested interest. But you know what? And it's great how many more viewers are seeing it with the re-airs and everything. The ratings are going up week by week. We're seeing that. However, the bottom line in this is the only way this really truthfully matters and tom has said this so i'm not like saying anything that he's going to disagree with in the long run is it going to create more tournaments for the pba and more money for the players to play for if if all this stuff doesn't turn into a bigger contract with fox and more sponsors and more advertisers paying more so that it actually goes to the players playing for more money all of this is just numbers well, it should. I don't see how it doesn't. It should, and- yeah, yeah. No doubt it should. But we need to see that. People need to be patient. That will happen next year, the year after. Now, Remember, this is a four-year deal. Right. And as far as Fox goes, based on what I'm looking at, Fox is the Super Bowl next year. So okay. February of 2020. I mean, I think about then the next week is the Tournament of Champions or the U.S. Open or whatever. It's going to be on the schedule next year. Think of the value of 150 or 200, whatever it is, 150 million people hearing that ad and maybe one half of 1%, but maybe that next week's show gets 2 million viewership instead of 1 million. I mean, the value of that's just almost incalculable. And in that commercial has to be Belmo and Kyle Troop. Uh, I think they (laughs) are your two most marketable guys right now. Yeah, you know what? I would, and I've heard some rumblings that guys are a little uh, jealous of Kyle out there. And that Well, grow your hair out. You can be just like him. Exactly. Find your shtick or whatever yes. you want to call it. Get your hair pick or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Kyle's a good guy. He's a great player. He's going to win a lot of titles in his career. He's a potential future bowler of the year. I mean, it's like any the golfers weren't jealous of Tiger. They were Tiger was putting tons of money in his pocket, and hopefully, Jason and Kyle in the long term will help that happen. And every time Kyle pulls that is on TV and pulls that pick out of his pocket and starts doing his hair, I I cheer. It's the best. It's the best thing. It just is. It just. It is remarkable. All right. Uh, so, from a TV rating standpoint, I don't know if you've seen the numbers, but me and, and Phil were talking about this earlier. I, do you get numbers to where you can see how it spikes after or going into a match versus earlier in the show? So, Troop wins the first one. Does the needle move? Troop wins the second match. Does the needle move? Uh, Bel- Belmo's now in the title match. Did the needle move there because now Belmo's in the title match? Do you ever get to see numbers like that? Uh, I don't do not pay to get all the Nielsen breakdown that way, but uh, Tom has shared some of that, not just with me, but if you look back when Belmo won two weeks ago, the title match was quite a bit higher. Yeah, Phil said 200,000 more. It it peaked up 200,000 people. Now, we can't reach into the minds of those 200,000 people from our computers and say, did you watch because it's the title match? Did you watch because someone messaged you and said, hey, this TOC is looking great? Did you watch because it was Belmo coming on, and if it had been somebody else as the top seed, would you not have watched? So we can't can't exactly know, but we can see, and if, if somebody broke down all the numbers and you could go to the title matches and see how much it went up for uh, you know 10 shows in a row or something at the end of the season would you see a higher spike when Belmo is the top seed or Jacob Buttruff or whoever it might be and you probably could do some analysis after the season is over and and that but I obviously when love or hate him I mean that's the thing the greatest thing about Belmo is that there's a lot of people that hate him and he would he would chuckle when I say that because you know I messaged with him and he he knows that and that's but but that's what you need in your in your sports icons. You want people to hate them because or love them because they care, so they tune in to watch. Well, the one thing about Belmonte and Rash that was great was it was a true rivalry. They truly didn't like each other. That's what made that special. You don't have that right now necessarily on the tour if 
of two really good bowlers at the top, somebody that really doesn't like Belmonte per se or whatever, but Troop fills that hole. And if you look at today's show, uh, you've got Rhino Page. Okay, he's got some fans. Uh, Wes Malott, the big nasty, he's got a good amount of fans. Tom Doherty. Uh, Norm Duke uh, has a ton yeah, of fans, huge. without question. And then Belmonte. I mean, in a perfect scenario for the PBA Tour, you want Duke and Belmonte in yes. that championship match. Uh, you get all those old school people that hate two-handed bowling uh, rooting for Norm Duke exactly. against Belmonte. That's what you want. Oh, absolutely. Is this set up perfectly? Yes. I mean, you've got bowling as it used to be, for all the get-off-of-my-lawn types, yep. and you have bowling as it is now with the very best in the world. I mean, I, other than having Sean be there against Belmo, this is the this is a dream match. Or maybe Walter Ray, I suppose, instead of Norm. <laughs> but how awesome is it? To, I mean, Norm is, I'm 56, and Norm's only like two, I believe, two years younger than me. Yes. To still be out there and be, you know, he, was, he would be the top seed if there was no Jason Belmonte in the world. At his age, in this tournament, and that many games, that. What an awesome thing. And Sean's having a pretty good year. He's got a title in a second and, you know, the meltdown on TV with the spare miss, but it, it, they just haven't matched up together. But Sean is kind of on a comeback this year. And boy, how great would it be to say, get to the USBC masters and have those two guys in the title match. Would love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> uh, he's Phil Bralo, uh, Dwight Albrecht over here. Jeff Riegel's there on the great Midwest bank hotline from 11th frame.com. Great website. Make sure to check it out. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on, man. All right, enjoy that show today. You betcha. Take care. There he is, Jeff Riggles on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. Take your time. I will come back, get predictions in for the Go Bowling PBA Indianapolis Open. That comes up later today on FS1. Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. See Sparky Fighter, Phil Brillo, Dwight Albrecht of the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. That's where you should probably go get your ball drilled if you like, uh, or go watch Flow Bowling because he's got it on there. Just hang out, have a cup of coffee, watch Flow Bowling in, D- in Dwight's Pro Shop. Hey, GoBowling.com, PBA Indianapolis open today, 2 o'clock. Make sure to tune in. Rhino Page and Wes Malott, the big nasty. Uh, it's your 4-5 matchup to start. Tom Doherty is the 3 seed. Norm Duke, the 2 seed. Jason Belmonte, the one seed, the PBA Tour tweeted out a poll of who do you think is going to win. Belmonte, 47%. Norm Duke, 43% of the vote. So we'll see who wins. Who is your prediction for this one? I would love to see Norm Duke win, but I think it's Jason Belmonte. Okay. Last 15 years, nobody on the PBA Tour has won more instead of Woodland Bowl than Norm Duke. Norm Duke's going to take it again today. All right. I'll take Jason Belmonte. That'll do it. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.